everyone. This is Scientific Healing with Dr. Anastasia Chopolis. Today I'm going to talk about the seven signs that you are in or were raised in a dysfunctional family. And it is not to pass judgment on you or anyone in your family because really they didn't bring you into the world to mess you up. Like, you know, I grew up in a dysfunctional family and the reason why I'm doing this broadcast is I didn't know until I was in my 40s that my family was dysfunctional and that I had a lot of issues to overcome. And the issues that I had to overcome took years of talk therapy and then later when I discovered energy healing right at about that same time, I found that I could... Um, basically frog leap over uh, all or leapfrog over all, all of the the years and years of talk therapy just by getting my energy shifted. So that is a, a really important point. You still need the talk therapy and the talk therapy really helps because as uh, when you're dysfunctional, one of the things that we tend to do a lot is sort inner mind like figure out what's happening around us and it become helps us become hyper vigilant we're able to read other people's expressions you know when you do those face tests to see what expression people have like i instantly get those and i didn't know that it was a part of the upbringing of being in a dysfunctional family so one of the things i want to say is that it's a double-edged sword right so the first thing is that you gained a lot of amazing skills by being in this kind of dysfunctionality the the thing that you get is a, a lot of empathy you are become very hypersensitive you're able to read people really well you become generous almost to a fault and so on so let me just go through what those those um, seven steps or these seven things are and you'll see what I mean by that so one of the things that happens to us is that you spend a lot of time trying to please everybody without pleasing yourself so um, I was just mentioning to my class yesterday that I while I was raising my children and I was a single mom, I didn't buy clothes for myself for 10 years because I always felt that, oh, they're, look, they're growing fast and their needs come ahead of me. And um, fortunately, I didn't change size during that whole time. I wish I was that size again, but you know, who knows? Maybe I'll be that, maybe not. But, but so I didn't buy any new clothes and that is really teaching my children the wrong thing, right? you're teaching them that you don't matter. So then they'll raise up and become, they'll grow up and become selfless. So that in some way is a, a, a way to, to be dysfunctional. You might have a conversation like this, is like you can't make up your mind because you're afraid you will upset somebody. So if somebody says, oh, what do you want to do right now? And your answer is, I don't know, what do you want to do? <laughs> I don't let other people get away with that anymore with me. Like when I say, well, what do you want to do right now? They go, I don't know. What do you want to do? No, I asked you first. <laughs> right? So, so if you're in that zone of always trying to please others and worried about what, how they will react to you, that is sign number one. Yes, there we go. 
Sign number two is that you spend a lot of time in these low energy emotions of shame and guilt. Okay, so shame and guilt are down at the bottom of the human energy scale in terms of uh, emotional energy. So shame is like the most contracted. And uh, really, it's anything that what I would call externally motivated. So the locus of control is outside yourself. So that's fear, anger, uh, shame, jealousy, guilt, apathy, because this is all created, even pride. It's all created outside you. A person has a judgment on you and you are reacting to that. So you're being reactive instead of active, right? So if you're spending time in shame and guilt, a lot of time, like feeling guilty about everything, which was me, I don't, I, I like don't have that guilt thing anymore. And I'll tell you how I got over it. But um, one of the things is like being embarrassed really easily, like you say something and then people look at you and then you turn like you can tell you're flushing or your inability to say what needs to be said, like you've got this thing that's ready to pop out of you and you can't really say it. And um, I've almost gotten too blunt, but I've also married a person who is equally as blunt, so we just say it and don't take offense, right? So it's really not being able to communicate your true self, your true feelings and your true emotions without feeling like you're going to be judged, right? So then uh, number three is that all your relationships are lopsided. That means that you spend a lot of time giving out your energy to maintain the relationship. For example, if you have a girlfriend or a male friend, you're the one that initiates the call. You're the one that initiates the contact, not them. And I used to wonder when I was in graduate school, like, why is it that I have to do all the calling? So then I just simply stopped calling. And finally, people started calling me, right? So... So the, the thing is, like, why shouldn't it be um, mutual? But all relationships are like a bank account. You each have to make deposits. In other words, you each need to make an effort to help build the relationship. So if one has a very vested interest and it keeps pouring in the relationship, eventually that person's going to get tired. And if the other person hasn't also contributed to it, the person that has been putting in all the effort stops putting in effort and then what will eventually happen is the bank account will go to zero and the relationship becomes bankrupt, right? So there has to be some sort of mutuality. In other words, that uh, you equally, like there's a lot, of, a lot of couples in which one pursues the other, right? And if the other does not ever pick up and say, oh, well, I really like this person and starts um, being reciprocal with that person, then it becomes a lopsided relationship and it simply can't last because, um, because eventually the support from the one will disappear and the relationship will fall flat. Um, sign number four that you're in a dysfunctional, you grew up in a dysfunctional family is that your disagreements are inappropriately handled. Either you're afraid to have a disagreement so you don't ever voice your opinion and 
You can never have discourse to really um, open things up and keep things going. Or there's a constant argument and nobody is listening to one another. So there is no room for negotiation, there is no room for compromise, and there's no room for building something. In other words, it's just like two people living in a parallel environment. So if you are in a relationship in which there is never any argument, if your disagreements are inappropriate handled, either too much or too little discourse without compromise, and negotiation um, that it spells doom and that shows that you grew up in a dysfunctional family. So sign number five is perfectionism. So your perf perfectionism is showing and a lot of people say oh I'm a perfectionist as if it were like a badge of honor. <laughs> well I, I suffered from the same perfectionism and I started saying it's a form of self-abuse you know, good is good enough. Sometimes things don't have to be perfect because nobody is judging you except you. I I remember that um, everybody would be embarrassed about, oh, what they were wearing or how they looked or what their weight was. And I said, well, you know, everybody else is so busy worrying about themselves. They're not even seeing you. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I came to realize. So perfectionism is just a, one of those signs that you were in a very judgmental family and that uh, you were being judged and put down and criticized for things that you sh really shouldn't have been. And what I mean by that, for example, when I was two and a half, I remember it was before my sister was born, um, I would dip my sandwich, I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, like those, those are the days that are gone, peanut butter, jelly, and bread <laughs> gone from my diet, But I, and milk, I used to dip it in my milk because I watched my dad dip his donut in coffee, right? This was the early 50s, and I would dip it in milk and like put it in my mouth, and I remember that flavor, the bread, the milk, the peanut butter, and the jelly, oh my gosh, it was like heaven for a little kid. And my mother shrieks at me, you should know better. Look at that mess you made. And I look on the table and there's two drops of milk on the table. I'm two and a half for crying out loud. <laughs> and it wasn't until my own daughter was born and started doing all the things that were natural to her in terms of curiosity and fun that I saw that I did the same thing. So I released the guilt from myself because I always felt guilty about everything. So if you are perfectionist and if you've been overly criticized and things, that is something that can be overcome, but you don't have to take as many years as I took to overcome it. So another sign, sign number six, is that when you are sitting still, like being quiet or meditating or resting, it's too hard. You have to get up and start moving. Like, um, <laughs> I remember my ex-husband. I, I still love him dearly, but <laughs> he would I, he would always be running around all the time, all the time. And I said, look, you know, you need to take a break. You can't just always be up and running around. So he'd sit down. He goes, okay, I'm taking a break now. See, I'm taking a break. Okay, I'm done. And then he'd be up and out of there within two minutes. <laughs> That's because it's too hard to hear your own thoughts because your own thoughts are often very painful because you have that great degree of those externally motivated emotions, especially shame and guilt. 
and even fear and anger so and anxiety. So those things can play a really large role, and when you sit still, they're in you. And uh, that's the other thing is that if you start sitting still, then you start shooting all over yourself. Oh, I should get up and do this, and I should get up and do that, instead of giving yourself uh, rest time, which is important. So I want you to remember that rest is a verb. That means you are doing something. So if you're resting and relaxing, those are verbs. <laughs> Even waiting, that's a verb. You are doing something. These are really important functions for us as humans to rejuvenate and regenerate. And then the last thing is number seven that I have on this particular list is that your approach to others, especially your own children, is often a reaction to your upbringing. So either it's too strict or too loose. So it's too strict, let's go to too loose. That's my tendency. I tend to be a little more lax because I had the opposite, right? I had a lot of being very strict and tight on all of my behavior. Why can't I do that, mom? <laughs> everybody else is doing it. Well, you're not everybody else and you can't do it, right? So um, I didn't see the harm and my children were very responsible, so I was a lot more lax than my parents. And my mom grew up with a very strict upbringing and she turn, in turn became very strict. And so it's not that I'm judging her or her, the way she brought me up because I am the person I am today because of her. But the thing is that she, that the, the strict and dysfunctional upbringing brought me a lot of gifts and it brought me things to overcome. So don't forget that it's a two, it's a two sided street, right? You have a lot of amazing gifts. For me, it was discipline, empathy, caring for others, wanting to help others, you know, being kind and uh, being very intuitive, becoming a healer, all of that because I had this upbringing. And the other things, the shame, the guilt, the low energy emotions, the inability to negotiate, the inability, inability to be around angry people, all of that, I had to learn how to overcome it. So wherever your upbringing is, um, and oh, the other thing is I'm able to read people very, very well. So um, especially their facial expressions and the tone of voice. So I can even feel them on my body. So those are the gifts that you get. So don't forget that there's a lot of gifts and that you chose somehow, you chose that upbringing. Um, and it's not that you chose the upbringing, you chose the injuries to that upbringing. Because another child, for example, my brother, who grew up in the same household, has not had those same issues that I had or that my sister had. My sister and I are very similar. But my brother, who grew up in the same household with the same mother and the same father, did not have those issues. He had different issues, but... You choose those issues that you want to overcome in your life, and you also choose those skills that you want to um, deal with. So one of the things that I have discovered, even though I spent years in talk therapy, that the fast track is energy healing in relationships. And for those of you that would like to get a free energy healing, I put the link up there. It's scientifichealer.com forward slash relationship. And you'll get a free energy healing that was, um, it was a live healing with 40 people. 
on, on a line. And even if you listen to it afterwards, the healing comes through the carrier waves in my voice into the electronic device. And I am about to bring out one in which it heals you in 12 to 14 different ways, including your past life, your DNA, your family, everything. It heals you in all those other different ways. So if you sign up, when you sign up for the relationship healing, you will uh, be able to um, you'll be able to be on my mail list so you'll know when that course comes out and there will be a lot more information about that. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. If you like this content, please give it a thumbs up or a five-star rating. Share it with someone who could use the help. Be sure to subscribe to my channel. I look forward to seeing you next week.